Join in the Gospel Journey podcast. The Gospel Journey exists to help our people get into discipling relationships that are centered on God's Word and led by His Spirit. Today we are in week six of Path Nine. It's 2 Timothy chapter one. I'm Jamie Trussell and joined again this week by Ken and Vaughn. Ken and good morning. Morning, Jamie. Good to be with you. Yeah, excited to start a new book for uh, the Gospel Journey groups. And uh, Ken, this one's in your wheelhouse. I mean, this is a quintessential discipleship book, which I know has always been at at the heartbeat for for you for the last 20 years that I've known you is, is pouring your life into others and seeing that become a normal practice inside the local church. And so we begin here in second Timothy chapter one, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will. Interesting that Paul always sees everything he has as it relates to life after conversion as being a gift of God's grace and a calling by God. His ministry is, is, is by God's grace. Everything comes to Paul as a gift from God. For the sake of the promise of life in Christ Jesus. So to what reason has Paul even been called to be a messenger? It is for the promise of life in Christ. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't just run over that. Uh, sometimes we kind of skip these intros to get right to the meat of the letter, but that, that already is a teaching moment. We're going to have a letter here between a man, Paul, and as he says in verse 2, his beloved child. This is his spiritual son in the faith, Timothy. Which is, this is a quintessential picture of discipleship. This is like second to Jesus in the Twelve. This is often where we get much of our example of, of how do you really mm-hmm. disciple somebody, looking at the way that Paul um, poured his life in the gospel to Timothy. So even even the teaching moment of he begins his letter with Timothy, who knows him like a son and a dad. You know, you don't have to, right. you don't have to always say these things, but Paul will, um, that, that he's an apostle by the will of God, always giving God credit for his salvation, his calling, and any effectiveness that's been tethered to his ministry, and uh, in reminding Timothy that we're called to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. So yes, good, good to see that early on. Well, and and to expand on that, even these are the last recorded words mm-hmm. we have from Paul before he is executed, presumably under the reign of Nero in Rome, and he doesn't write some theological treatise to be yeah. circulated amongst all. Paul writes his final words to one singular person. Yeah. which in and of itself is a message about the importance of pouring ourselves into others. And you, you reference this, but to Timothy, my dearly loved son, this was not information transfer, though certainly that happened. Mm-hmm. And while we can't know for sure, they've had probably known each other for a good 14 to 16 years. I mean, this is a ongoing, you mentioned he has become a son to Paul. Mm-hmm. And, and if we don't have love in discipleship, we're not making disciples according to the pattern of Christ. Yeah, there's there's so much there already uh, uh, just to, to presume or, or know about their relationship from the time Paul picked Timothy up, um, uh, you know, uh, in Lystra, but before his uh, second missionary journey. Since that time, um, and, and really, really, because Paul had visited Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra on his first missionary journey, there's the idea that Timothy probably at least knew of him, saw him, heard right. him speak. There, and then Paul picks this uh, uh, young, teenage, timid Timothy up. He's got a godly mother and grandmother. And he takes him on this journey. And like you said, a solid 15, 16 years with this young man as his apprentice at his side. And, and, he, and he's not, his goal is not just to lean on Timothy or to make his life easier. His goal from the time he calls him is to see Timothy grow to godly maturity, go further than he can go mm. uh, into uh, multiplying the gospel to the next generation. And so he loves this spiritual son with his whole heart. 
It is so powerful that this is the last letter Paul inks before yeah, he is absolutely. killed. And it, you're, you said it, but it, it's to one man, um, it, which speaks to both how much he loves this young man and how how much potential he sees in the young man and in the uh, one-on-one discipleship relationship. So this is an explosive letter when you think about the context. This is his swan song written to his spiritual son, Timothy. Yeah, and it was not a simple, Timothy, I love you. Mm -hmm. It is, look at verse 4. Paul says he remembers Timothy's tears. Mm -hmm. Timothy knew he was late. This wasn't just a stated thing at the end of a meeting. He knew and experienced Paul so much so that he is weeping knowing that he may never see Paul again whenever this moment happened. And Paul says, I remember your tears. The the other thing, can I want to ask you about this, because my, my kids are little, four, three, and one. Uh, you've got more and older kids than I do. But Paul recognizes something about Timothy. He says, don't, like, God's divine providence in laying the foundation of your faith goes all the way back to your grandmother. Mm-hmm. And so one, I would tell our gospel journey groups, it may be a good exercise with anyone in your group or anyone you're discipling Sit down and really think about how God's providential hand has been on your life to get you to faith in him and all all the relationships and every you'll begin to see that God really does love you, care about you and his hand is on you bringing you to himself. But but can the question I want to ask you is even though there's a lineage of faith in this family at some point uh Timothy can't live off the faith of grandma. Yeah. And and so uh any word for our parents or, or either younger parents like me or teenage parents, a word on trying to help kids make this transition? Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you'd ask that question, and you and I really haven't um, scripted any of this out, and, and I didn't know you were going to go there, but uh, but you really, even last night and this morning— I, You're not supposed to tell people that. I'm sorry. We, we, we need to appear prepared. I know <laughs> But last night, as I was tucking my uh, older two in, Caleb, who's 11, and Luke, who's 9, we actually talked about this very thing. Now, we weren't in this text, but we were praying together, and we were talking about baptism specifically. Both of them were um, really praying about if it's the time for them to take that step of obedience to Christ and being baptized as a public expression of Mm -hmm. of their uh, faith in Christ. And they were talking about, how do we know when our faith is ours? That was literally the question my 11-year-old asked me. You know, Dad, I believe everything you've taught me. Mm -hmm. You know, you've showed me what's in the Word, and I believe it. But how do I know I'll stand on it? You know, Mm -hmm. like I hadn't been tried, I hadn't been tested. Very interesting. It is. (laughs) And so we had a great—we probably talked for 30 minutes or so about—it is such a blessing— to be shown the truth of God's word, and even more so for those things to be um, uh, played out before you in in the form of an example of godly parents. But at some point, you got to recognize the Lord stirring in your heart, allowing you to see truth for what it is as truth, in committing your life to Jesus. That this is going to be now. I'm going to have my own pursuit of Christ, mm. my own um, reliance on the Holy Spirit, my own desire to to learn more about Him and to share Him with others, and my own commitment to. What does it mean for an 11-year-old to uh, deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Christ? Is he really ready to do that? And that's when you know it's your faith. And so we had a great talk, and, and by God's grace, I think my 11 year old's on the cusp of it. My, you know, my, my 9-year-old, uh, who has, and they're very different. Mm-hmm. Um, my 11-year-old is a little bit of that typical firstborn 
who kind of weighs everything out almost mathematically. It's almost formulaic. Right. And my, my nine is just much more heart-like, like I'm ready to go to the, die for the gospel today. But, but you know, then a minute later I'll go, actually, never mind, I'm really scared. You know, like it, you know they're just wired so differently. But they're both, th- that's a thing that, uh, yeah, we want to help our children mm-hmm. through. And, of course, Paul with Timothy, and Timothy's a little older at this point, um, uh, probably in his late 20s or, or maybe even early 30s, but um, but he is speaking to that same thing that that this that this isn't merely your mom's your grandmom's this dwells in you yep. verse five and so he's reminding him of what is his and and he's got the track record which I am building and hope to have with Caleb and Luke my sons to be able to point to the truth of that in their lives even in the moments they might doubt it and I think that and again I cannot speak from experience here as my kids are are, are very young but if I projecting in the future and I'm a parent listening to you answer that I think what you just hit on is is really helpful it is observing the lives of our kids and being able to point them to evidence that your heart does seem rendered towards Mm -hmm. Christ Mm -hmm. in these ways Mm -hmm. Um, yeah one more point on that a lot of times especially my nine-year-old will feel he'll have a real soft heart or really sensitive to convictions over sin and he'll lay in bed at night and cry sometimes about Mm -hmm. sin in his life which he'll sometimes interpret to mean I can't be a Christian because mm-hmm. look how bad I still am is the way he'll say it. I'll say the fact that you're this beat up over your sin would encourage me That's right. that there's evidence of the Spirit inside of you. So you got to help them interpret the things they're feeling about the lives they're living. That's right. And look, we can take that principle outside of parenting to discipleship, yeah. especially as gospel journey groups. I routinely meet people in counseling situations that, they want to hear me say that they know the Lord because they look at their own life. And it's the same answer is anytime somebody shows a grieving or sensitivity to sin, even if you're kind of stuck in it, that's a that's a that's a much better place yeah. to be than numb to it. Yeah. And especially if it's grieving over the actual dirtiness of the sin, grieving over the the the, the loss of intimacy with God. If it's just grieving over being caught or the possibility or the of being caught or a consequence, that's right. then uh, that's that's not as fruitful. But to be really grieving over the fact that there's you still have a flesh that uh, does things that are dishonoring and um, not only dangerous to you, but disrespectful to those you love, and you don't like that. That's good. Yeah, and I'm glad you made that distinction. Uh, to, to go a little bit more forward in, in the chapter, I'll tell you one reason why I love Timothy and that God saw fit to include this in, in the Scriptures is he's not a very likely candidate to be pastoring uh, the church at Ephesus. Yeah. He's young, so age-wise, mm-hmm. and, and that he, he's got some real struggles. Look, Paul says, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you. Timothy obviously had some moments where maybe he even doubted his own calling as a pastor where he could have sunk back in some depressive moments. Whatever it is, he needed to be convinced again that God had called him to do what he was called to do. And verse 7, that Paul had to tell him, quit being afraid. Mm-hmm. Timothy struggled with fear. Mm-hmm. And and Paul here is good. Timothy comes across as like the most normal dude possible, which mm-hmm. I I really relate to, and I'm thankful that God was kind enough to to give us this example. Yeah, I think that, and we all need that. I need that constantly. I'm I'm pastoring as a young man, and I need the men who have helped to raise me in the Lord to keep reminding me that this is what God's called me to do. People here in the podcast may or may not assume assume that I need that, but I do. There's um there's plenty of, of times where the the burden of ministry feels too heavy for me, 
And I not only need to be reminded that God called me into it, but that God's the one that will carry that burden. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of what I just think the way Paul um, exhorts Timothy is riddled with the um, uh, both the exhortation to move forward, but also to rely on and depend on God. And, and that's where he, that therefore in verse 8 connects to not, not only do you have a gift, where I want to remind you to faint in the flame, don't be overcome with fear, but therefore don't be ashamed because look, there's a God, verse 8 and 9, who has saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. God's got, he has purposed for you to not only be his, but to serve in this way. He gave us this in Christ Jesus before the ages began. It's now being manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Just just an amazing, mm-hmm. deep theological treatise on the glory of God in Christ. So in the moment when you're going, I'm insecure, I'm weak, I'm afraid, Paul lifts his sights off of his inability and insecurity and inadequacy to the ability and security and adequacy of Christ. And, and I need that just as much as Timothy. And not only that, he goes on to say, so this great yeah, exposition of what is the gospel in, in the preceding verses, and in verse 11 he's very emphatic, it is to that gospel only that I'm appointed a herald apostle mm-hmm. and teacher. It, there is only one gospel message, mm-hmm. and it is completely and utterly Christ-centric. Mm-hmm. And it, it would be, and this may sound like so elementary that it, it may be a, a waste of your gospel journey time, your discipling time, but uh, I would encourage us all, make sure the people we're meeting with can articulate the gospel. Mm-hmm. This is the foundation of what Paul says I've been called to preach is a clear Christ-centered, uh, 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 void of human works or human earning gospel of Jesus Christ and what he came to do. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. And the way Paul frames that, saying that, that that's, what I, that's what I've been appointed as a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher to share, the, the true gospel. And, 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 and it's why I'm, I'm willing to suffer. That's, right. that, that's where you know, the culture starts. We, gotta, we have a Christian culture quote-unquote Christian, and people are willing to be Christian. But you don't really find out who's really a Christ follower until you find out who's willing to suffer, who's yeah. willing to give up their own life. You know, if God's not going to fix your circumstances according to your whimsical desires, will you go somewhere else, mm-hmm. or will you still follow Christ? Mm-hmm. Um, he's not—we were talking about this last week in church. He's not uh, here just to— uh, to bless our lives with comfort and security. We, we're giving our lives to bring glory to him. And he says, I'm not ashamed of this. I know whom I have believed. This is Paul just putting those words of life into Timothy. And I'm convinced that he's able to guard until that day what's been entrusted to me. Like, God who saved me will keep me. He will raise me up. And so, verse 13, follow the pattern of sound words you've heard from me. And, and th- this is so huge because um, it's not merely the teaching point to Timothy of, hey, um, follow the pattern of sound words, in other words, reteach these things. But it's the very idea that he's got a pattern to follow, that he has been with Paul, and and he has heard, and we're going to get to it in a couple chapters when you're in chapter 3, he's heard Paul preach the gospel. He's seen him suffer for it. Mm-hmm. He's seen God give him the grace to endure suffering and persecution. He's seen that God's been faithful to his servant Paul and that the gospel is transforming massive lives numbers of lives. And so Paul's saying, follow, the pattern, uh, follow the, the pattern that you've seen in me. I just want to bring up that that's what's so important about even being in a gospel journey relationship. That's good. Uh, that there is a pattern of sitting down, opening God's word, getting to the bottom of what he's saying, and adhering our lives to it that young men need to see in older men. And uh, I want to keep going on this point because it is, I mean, it's so central to our faith as holding to the pattern of sound teaching. Now, at some level, 
the foundation of sound teaching, that is the gospel. It's what he's mm-hmm. already unpacked. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, or unpacked. I'm definitely from Alabama. He already unpacked. Uh, uh, but it goes beyond that. It's not only the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and we see that in the book of Hebrews. The author of Hebrews is shocked that he keeps having to teach that church what he calls the elementary doctrines of Christ. Not that they're simple and not that we ever move on from them, but we always hold them. But there's more. There's more doctrine than just that. And so I'm curious, you're, you know, I've got thoughts on this, uh, probably not as well informed as, as yours, KV, but when we are teaching others the Bible, mm-hmm. sound doctrine, Paul's past to Timothy, uh, what are some things that you're going, man, if I've got... If I got three months, six months, if I got a year with a guy, of course I've got to know they get the gospel. What are the other areas of sound doctrine that you go? I really, really need these guys or these 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 ladies. If you're in a, a group with ladies, to to know that they know that they know is rooted in God's word. Uh, great question. I've often been uh, challenged with that question, and and I I don't know how to simplify my answer because there's just the bible's just so chock full of everything we need to know uh for life and godliness and you know I think creation is huge I think understanding God's design of man and for man absolutely in relation with him you, you, Genesis 1 and 2 and 3 and what's found in there uh, in marriage and in the fall and the tendency of man to be passive and the woman to be controlling and to see those tendencies play out in the Old Testament narrative of God calling people to be his people for his purposes, which is the same calling he's given on us, the the new Israel and the entire anticipation of the Old Testament to the coming of Jesus, the, the final Passover lamb. So the substitutionary atonement of Christ, dying for our sin, in our place for our sin, the bodily resurrection, the promise of Christ to come, uh, which is the essential of our eschatology and how we put our hope in that Christ. And then how do we live with one another in the meantime, you get all these epistles explaining the doctrine and telling us how to live it with each other. Ephesians is a great book to to anchor down in because you get three chapters of gospel doctrine and the three chapters of how do you live this out with another and then discipleship second timothy Mm -hmm. uh, how do we how do we walk with one another And, and just the picture of paul loving Timothy enough to give him the exhortations. I mean, he's starting with this gospel-rich chapter 1, but then he's going to start giving a bunch of metaphors uh, about how to be a soldier and an athlete and a farmer for the Lord. I mean, the encouragements we see, knowing how to raise up spiritual children. So, boy, that's a, that's a, that's a big question, but, uh, but, but the, 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 theme, the, the themes of the Bible, Genesis through Revelation, that are most prevalent are gospel-centered themes. At the, at the center right. of the whole Bible is Christ, and they're all important, but I think those are some of the basic essentials. Well, and with that, so so if I'm sitting here listening to you, uh, going, oh my word, I don't even know how to begin to teach on all this. It, that sounds pretty overwhelming. And, yeah. I, and the encouragement I'd offer is uh, uh, understand that that takes time. Yeah. It's okay. Like, that may take you two to three years of doing life with someone to get mm-hmm. through. If you try to microwave discipleship, you basically eat frozen dinners your whole entire mm-hmm. life. Yeah. And that that's not a healthy diet. Yeah. Yeah, you just can't get in a hurry. It's the same with my own growth. I'd, I'd love to grow faster, but really what I want to do is grow faithfully. I want to, every day, spend some time meditating on God's Word with the Lord, be in biblical community, be learning from men wiser, be passing on to men who are younger. And over time, even though that was no perfect explanation of and answer your question a moment ago, I've been at this for about 20 years, and not, not perfectly, good gracious, and not always faithfully, but I've had really godly men pouring into me for about about 20 years. And the slow, steady, 
conversations right. we've had on all of these things and studies of these various books. And that's what the gospel journey is allowing us to do. That's right. Be in a relationship with other men centered in God's word, led by a spirit. You're doing it right now. Mm. So you can't wake up tomorrow and be a, be a theologian. Um, but what you can do today is be one who is uh, feasting on the word of God and becoming the man that you're going to be. And I love that, that definition or part of the definition of discipleship that I even gleaned from downline of, of the lifelong learner yeah. mentality yeah. is just set, just set our, all of us set our postures that we are going to be learning from God's word from now until we die or till Christ returns. Yeah. And the more I learn, and this is cliche, but it's just true the more I realize how much I don't know. So mm-hmm. even though you're ta- we're talking to these listeners who maybe feel unlearned or inadequate, I still feel the same way. They, mm-hmm. they may wrongly hear me going, wow, this guy really knows it all. No, I feel like I am just scratching the surface of truth and uh, looking forward to knowing what you know my mentors and heroes know that may I ever get there. Uh, at the Downline Summit this last weekend, I heard Ray Ortland say about his father that even when he was dying and had a few months to live, he had a book list of five books that he was mm-hmm. trying to read. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Ray was even fascinated, like, really, Dad? <laughs> you got a few <laughs> months to live and you're trying to read? And, you know, just, just realizing that knowledge doesn't end uh, mm-hmm. on this earth. We know all we can and we know in part and prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, when Christ comes, then we'll know in full. And this is our privilege to be lifelong learners until our learning becomes complete in the presence of Christ. Yeah, and uh, uh, just a couple quick thoughts before we finish out this chapter is uh, biblically considered knowledge is always informational and experiential. So uh, when we say a growth in knowledge uh, from a biblical paradigm, it's actually changing how we live. It's Mm -hmm. hard to say I really learned it unless it's it's transforming me. Uh, And then the other thing I would say, you mentioned in that list very early on something that I do think is neglected at times is that the whole idea of God as creator, mm-hmm. especially amongst our cultural climate and the considerations of our day. Mm-hmm. With God created life, mm-hmm. he did it perfectly, mm-hmm. he did it intentionally and purposefully, which means male and female mean something, yeah. which means marriage as God defines it means something. Yeah. It means God's regula- uh, regulations on sex mean something. They're not restrictive. They are purposeful in God's design to image himself to the world. And this isn't a podcast on that, but I would, uh, of everything you listed, I feel like maybe what's been most neglected in my own study and thought and discipling of others is yeah. all the massive implications of God as creator. Yeah, I think the conversations people have today trying to figure out gender, identity, sexuality, marriage are... They're basing it on, number one, their feelings and experience. That's right. Number two, what's going on in the culture around them. When Paul argues uh, about sexuality, about marriage, about gender, um, any any issues related, he always goes back to the book of beginnings. He argues out of Genesis and out of creation. He argues that what was God's define? how did God define man, how did God define woman, how did God define marriage? Because ultimately, God's God, and, uh, and the right. culture doesn't dictate the truth and the definition of biblical manhood and womanhood. God does, and that's, that's why right. Genesis is so that's important, right. the book of beginning. So Paul doesn't ever argue from culture. He always argues from creation as to uh, what the meaning of marriage really is. And, uh, and, of course, we've opened a Pandora's box that probably would lead to another podcast in another yeah, cell. Another but, podcast for another But it's day. a great point to make, Jamie. Do not look to your right or to your left. Um, uh, to determine uh, what a healthy view of sexuality is. Look to the beginning. Look to the created order. What was God's design? What Mm -hmm. was God's intent? What did he lay out clearly? 
and uh, and then you'll know what's perfect and pleasing to God. And Jesus makes the same appeal in Matthew 19. He also goes back to Genesis. Sure does, yeah. And and we it may sound like a little bit of a odd one-off there, but look, part of discipleship is helping people know how to interact faithfully in real time. And those are those are the real-time yeah. issues of our day. And so I think that was time well spent. Uh, let's finish off chapter one here. Uh, Ken, uh, uh, last thoughts on that from you. My only last thoughts on, on in this chapter are, are one, if people will abandon Paul, they will also abandon you. They will abandon me. The gospel sometimes fractures relationships, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it also catalyzes depth of relationship we would have never other uh, had otherwise and that's what we find with Onesiphorus here as he served uh, that that he probably Paul would say is another spiritual son he loves this man but Paul is also deserted by uh, 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 Phagellus and, and Hermogenes earlier in the letter and so relational dynamics once we start following Jesus don't expect it to be the smoothest most peaceful thing yeah I think that was well said and you, you and you just get what seems like an insignificant example, but again, Paul's writing meaningfully and purposefully to Timothy, and part of the reminder is that don't base um, your ministry effectiveness necessarily on uh, on what other people do. That's you keep word. being faithful mm-hmm. uh, to know and pursue Christ and to, sh- and to pour him into others and trust God with the fruit, and there'll be much fruit one day uh, when we stand before the Lord, and uh, the, the depth of our relationships and how much we give to people will be something we enjoy in the presence of Christ for eternity. It is worth it. And an unhealthy dynamic that can happen in discipleship is if we start looking for those we're discipling for our approval yeah. and vindication of who we are in Christ. We only look to Christ for that. And that, that goes back to why it's so important how Paul started the letter. Uh, he's going to talk about those things, but he's going to always remind him it's by the will of God according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. That's where he wants Timothy to start, and that's where when you get to the end of this letter, he's going he's gonna to finish with him. Well, that's a perfect way to, to close up this week's podcast in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Look forward to next week as we uh, begin our journey into chapter 2.